Well, good morning, Ramp Church. It is such an honor and a privilege to be joining you today for your online service. My name's Danny. I lead a church called Life Church in the Midlands of England, a little place called Bedworth, alongside my wife, Naomi. And uh, though we are in the Midlands, I'm actually a northerner. I'm originally from Bolton, just a few miles down the road from where you are. And I love your church. I love your church because I love your pastors, Pastors Joe and Stacey Reeser. They have been great friends of ours for several years now. And they are incredible, incredible leaders. They're leaders of faith, leaders of integrity, leaders of passion and leaders of courage. And if you're new to Ram church this morning and you're considering whether to make it your home church I want to encourage you you will find no better or healthier environment in which to plan and position your life they are great leaders ramp church is a great church and if you're a regular member of, of ramp church I want to encourage you to keep showing love and honor and appreciation for your pastors this past year has been incredibly challenging for many people, I realize, but especially those who are in church leadership. And Joe and Stacey, you are brilliant leaders who we love dearly. And uh, we want to honor you and celebrate you for all the phenomenal things you are doing for the kingdom of God up in Manchester. I realize that you have been in the midst of a series called The Missional Life, where you've been exploring what it looks like to live lives that are sold out and set apart for the mission and the purposes of God. And as such this morning, I want to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're going to live the Jesus way, if you're going to live the missional life that each and every one of us is called to, then you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. And God in his grace and God in his goodness has gifted us the person of the Holy Spirit to help us as we live out this missional life. In John chapter 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and he's outlining the kind of cost that is going to be required in order to live the missional life. He's explaining to them that this life is going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some hardship. You're going to face some persecution. Then in verse 5 of John 16, Jesus drops a bombshell that they simply weren't expecting. He says that not only is it going to be tough, but they are going to have to do it without him because he's returning to his father in heaven. Jesus quickly realizes that this is not the news that the disciples wanted to hear. So in verse 7, he gives them some assurance and he says, It's actually better for you that I leave because unless I go, then the advocate, the Holy Spirit himself, will not come to you. And in John 14, Jesus had already unpacked how the Holy Spirit would function in their lives. The Holy Spirit would not only walk beside them like Jesus had, the Holy Spirit would actually take up residence inside of them. And now, just like then, the only thing better than Jesus beside you is the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
The only thing better than having Jesus walk with you is to have the Holy Spirit alive within you. And that's what we're going to be looking at and unpacking this morning. And we're going to jump in to Acts chapter 2 where we see the fulfillment of Jesus' promise come to pass in the lives of his disciples on the day of Pentecost. And today in the church calendar is actually Pentecost Sunday. So what better day to look at how we can receive more fully the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives than Pentecost Sunday. So if you've got your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read the first 13 verses together. And we're going to look at what took place on the day of Pentecost and start to identify what should take place in our lives whenever we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, reading from verse 1, says this. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine ephesians 5 18 then says this it says do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery but instead be filled with the spirit do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery but instead be filled with the spirit On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled these disciples, filled the early church, those who saw them in the immediate aftermath mistook their experience for drunkenness. They thought that these poor souls had simply been drinking too much wine. And Ephesians 5.18 reinforces this idea that there is something similar between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, there's also something markedly different between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I want to draw some similarities or some parallels between drunkenness that actually are indicative of what the work of the Holy Spirit should accomplish 
in our lives. And this morning, if I was to give this message a title, it would be living under the influence. Living under the influence. When I was 14 years old, I was in the third year of secondary school. My parents sent me on what was called the German exchange, where we would go to Germany to experience that nation and its culture for a period of 10 days. And I was sent to a town called Neustadt in the north of Germany to stay with a young man by the name of Christian. Now, Christian was Christian by name, but he was not Christian by nature. Because on the weekend that I was staying with him and his family, he decided to take us to a party on the Saturday night. And at this party, German beer, German lager was flowing in all its fullness. Now, me as a good church-going boy, I'm pretty sure I can't remember tasting or sampling any of that German beer. But what must have happened is that the fumes from this strong German lager must have made their way up my nostrils and subconsciously I must have inhaled them. And truth be told, I must confess that I found myself under the influence and having an experience that I had never experienced before. Now, I'm not advocating this behavior. I'm not celebrating this behavior, but I want to share with you some things that I experienced in the aftermath of that moment that I believe we can draw some reference points from to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to change and alter and transform in our lives. The first thing is this, is that when I was under the influence of that unholy substance in Germany, what immediately changed was my walk. The way I walked changed when I was under the influence of that substance. Now we know this to be true because if ever you remember back in the day before the era of the breathalyzer, whenever police would suspect that somebody was driving under the influence, after they'd pulled them over, they would get the driver out and ask them to walk in a straight line. Because we know that when we're under the influence of a substance like alcohol, it is very difficult to walk straight. In fact, our walk becomes very crooked. But I would suggest that when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when we're under the influence of the power of God himself, it affects our walk, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. No longer are we inclined to walk crookedly. No longer are we inclined to walk our own way. But I believe that the Holy Spirit compels us to walk in paths of righteousness. He compels us to walk towards the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God the Father has for each and every one of our lives. And there's a couple of key ways I believe that the Holy Spirit affects our walk. And the first thing is this, is that the Holy Spirit will compel us to walk in purity. The Holy Spirit will compel us to walk in purity. Galatians 5.16 says this, this is Paul the Apostle speaking. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh walking by the spirit walking under the influence of the holy spirit leads to purity whereby we no longer want to desire or gratify the desires of the flesh our sinful nature but instead we want to live lives that are pleasing to and holy before our god now i have a concern and forgive me because here I stand the risk of sounding like an old man but I have a concern about the desensitization of our culture nothing seems to shock anymore things that used to be unacceptable have become acceptable and widely accepted in the culture around us a few years ago i remember my wife naomi asked me to get rid of some old videos that i'd been storing for years these were old vhs films and i remember sadly and painfully going through these videos in preparation for throwing them out at the tip and just reminiscing over some of these old classic movies that i love dearly films like et and the matrix and gladiator all time classics and then i remember coming across one video and the box shocked me it was the film the karate kid and the reason i was shocked is because when i looked at the box i saw the rating in the bottom right corner and it was a 15 rated movie and i couldn't for the life of me understand why the karate kid was rated 15 i couldn't really remember any sexual scenes i couldn't remember any particular bad language or any grotesque violence other than karate violence i mean this was daniel son this was mr miyagi this was wax on wax off and yet here on the box was a 15 rated symbol I would suggest that if that film was out today it would barely be a PG. It would probably be a film that would be shown on a Sunday afternoon at 3:00 for anybody to watch. And I wonder whether all the time what we used to tolerate, what we used to find acceptable has become something that has been diluted and softened to the point where perhaps we are now desensitized from things that we used to be sensitive to and i think today without sounding like an old person our culture has been compromised our standards have slipped and as the people of god we've got to be careful that we don't become so well adjusted to the world around us that we slip into its way of thinking or doing or viewing in a way that is counter to the kingdom of god that we have been called to reflect honor and serve the bible makes it clear that we are to be in the world but not of the world and if we're going to be filled with the holy spirit one of the evidences of being filled with the holy spirit is that we will walk in purity the holy spirit will guide what we say and what we don't say the holy spirit will guide where we go and where we don't go the holy spirit will guide what we view and what we don't view because the holy spirit is holy and he will lead us to walk in 
purity. Now listen, the Holy Spirit will never condemn. Romans 8.1 says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit by his very nature will want to bring conviction to our lives in order that we live in truth. And I think conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a little bit like the sat-nav in my car. If I want to go to a particular destination, I type it in, I press a button, and then at every junction of the journey, there's a voice, a lovely lady who is built into the system of my car, who will prompt me on the journey that I'm heading on. She will tell me which turn to take and which turn to avoid. She'll tell me if there's been a collision ahead that I don't want to get stuck in. And so too, just like the sat nav in my car the holy spirit wants to prompt you on your journey of living out the missional life he will sometimes say it's not wise to go in that direction it's not wise to go over there maybe there's something up the road that you can't currently see that you don't want to get stuck in and the holy spirit because he is so committed to us living the kind of life that god has purposed us to live he will bring conviction through the prompting of his still small voice within to make sure that we walk in purity. Because unlike an unholy substance, the Holy Spirit will cause us to walk straight and walk crooked on the journey of life that God has called us to lead. It causes us, or he causes us, to walk impurity but he also i believe causes us to walk in unity i believe church that we are called to live and to walk in unity ephesians 4 reading from verse 2 to 4 says this it says be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace we are supposed to be in this together, united. And one of the things that interests me that took place on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit filled a room that was marked by unity. Acts 2 verse 1 says that they were all together in one place. How many people know that you can be in one place but not necessarily all together. You can have Man City fans and Man United fans in one place, but they are unlikely to be together in unity. Just because you are in one place doesn't mean you are together and it doesn't mean there is unity. But if you as an individual and if you Ramp Church as a church want to experience and receive more of the Holy Spirit upon you and within you, I want to encourage you to be a people who are marked by unity. Where you don't just gather in one place, but whenever you are gathered, you are together in one place. One in heart and mind and soul and purpose because the Holy Spirit I believe is drawn to unity. It's interesting that at Jesus' baptism as he came out of the water the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like 
a dove and a dove is a peaceful bird it is not drawn to environments of hostility but it is drawn to environments of tranquility and if you want to receive more of the holy spirit We've got to work at our unity. We've got to be peaceful and peaceable with one another because the Holy Spirit, I believe, is drawn to environments of unity. Now listen, unity does not mean uniformity. It does not mean that everybody's got to look the same and sound the same and act the same. That's not what we are talking about. Unity does not mean uniformity. We've all got our differences. We've all got our personalities. We've all got our preferences. And that is completely okay. In fact, I would suggest that in Acts 2, we see that God doesn't just tolerate that. He celebrates that. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, in that place of unity the immediate thing that took place is that they were commissioned to speak tongues and other languages that would reach a diverse group of people in fact not just a group of people but groups of people they spoke languages that the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and people from Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and all four corners of the earth could understand. The Holy Spirit, though it was drawn to unity, actually empowered diversity. They were equipped with diverse gifts to reach diverse groups of people. And diversity, I believe, is something to celebrate. And my prayer and my prophecy over Ramp Church this morning is that you as a church, as you are people of unity, would experience ever more of the Holy Spirit at work within you. And that the Holy Spirit would compel you and equip you to, through diverse people and diverse ministries, reach the diversity that is represented in the great city of Manchester that God has planted and positioned you in. That people of every tribe and tongue, people of every colour and creed, people of every culture and subculture would be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ because there's a people called Ramp Church in Manchester who are so committed to unity that the Holy Spirit is drawn to them and he empowers them to go out in diversity to reach diverse people groups all around their church and in their wider community. Unity does not mean uniformity. Diversity is something to celebrate, it's not something to tolerate. But listen, though diversity, I believe, is a product of the Holy Spirit, division is never a product of the Holy Spirit. He is drawn to, and I believe he wants to produce in us, unity. He wants us to live in peace with one another. In the Bible, one of the pictures or the symbols of the Holy Spirit we see, we see time after again is the picture of oil. We see it in lamps and we see it in the representation of anointing oil. But probably one of the most common uses for oil that we have in the 21st century is in our car engines. 
We put oil in the engines of our cars because our engines consist of multiple different parts that have different functions and operate in different ways. And without oil, our engines would be prone to overheating and exploding because there is often friction generated as these parts perform their purpose in vastly different ways. But it's the oil in our engine that cools things down, that lubricates and soothes and causes our car engine to function in unity and harmony. And I would suggest that as you move forward as a church, Ram Church, you need more of the Holy Spirit to protect and preserve the unity of the Spirit that is essential if you're going to move forward and travel into the fullness of your destiny. The Holy Spirit wants us to walk in purity and he wants us to walk in unity. The second thing I remember and reflect on from the time in Germany where I found myself under the influence is that when I was under the influence, it affected my talk. And I believe the second area that the Holy Spirit wants to influence in a significant way in our lives is the way in which we talk. Um, ever noticed that when people have had a little bit too much to drink, they are perhaps more bold and forthright in the way that they speak. They say things that usually they wouldn't say in a way they often wouldn't say. Some people actually use the term Dutch courage, where often they'll take a stiff drink before they embark upon a difficult conversation or enter a, different, a difficult situation. And that term is, is drawn from a king in Holland called William of Orange, who whenever his soldiers were going into battle, he would give them a quick drink of gin to fill them with courage and boldness. And my belief is this, is that God wants to fill us with courage and boldness. Not through the unholiness of a stiff gin, but through the person of his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills our lives, we have an unusual and uncommon boldness and courage that affects primarily, I believe, the way that we talk. You see, the Bible makes it clear in Acts 1a that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive power to be his witnesses. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when he instructed them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are given power, courage and boldness to be his witnesses. And a witness is called to testify. If ever a witness is called to the dock of a courtroom, they are compelled to testify. They have to say something in reference to something they have seen or experienced. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to give us the power to testify of the greatness and the goodness and the glory of the God that we've experienced and seen at work 
in our lives. Francis of Assisi once said, um, at all times, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Now, I understand the sentiment of his words. He's saying that we've got to live our lives in such a way, we've got to walk in a way that communicates the gospel, not just rely on what we say. And I agree with that to an extent. But I would suggest that as witnesses, we can't just allow our actions to talk. We have to, at some point, use our words to testify of what God has done in and through us. Our walk should give us the substance our words require, but our walk should never cause our words to be absent. We have got to speak out about what Jesus has done to all around us. And if we're going to live the missional life, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to be his witnesses to all around us. You see, that word power that we read of in Acts 1a is from the Greek word dunamis, which literally means explosive power. An explosive power has the potential to change and alter landscapes. I remember when I was a young lad living in Bolton in 1996, when the IRA bomb went off in the city centre of Manchester, just outside the Arndale Centre. And I remember watching the images on the news as literally the physical landscape of a city was dramatically altered because of the explosive power it had just experienced. And my prayer for Ramp Church this morning is that the explosive power of the Holy Spirit would so fill your heart, would so fill your life, that each and every one of you would play your part in transforming the spiritual landscape of the city of Manchester. That it would not be something that adversely affects that city, but it would be something for the betterment of that city. That people would come to faith that people would come to a knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them because of the witness they see and hear through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in believers such as you at Ramp Church. My prayer is that you will be so bold and courageous in the way you speak, that you would not be passive in your workplace, you'd not be passive in your classroom, you'd not be passive in your community amongst your neighbours, family and friends, but that you would have the boldness to speak up for and speak of Jesus to all around you. And that boldness would not be self-manufactured. That boldness would not come from a place of striving, but that boldness would rise up within you because of the Holy Spirit, Spirit who has taken up residence in your life and is empowering you to make a difference, to change the landscape of your city and your community. When the Holy Spirit takes control of our life, He influences the way that we talk in a way that means we are witnesses for him to all around us. And finally, as we land, one of the things I remember from my time in Germany under the influence is that it also affected my song. 
At one point, I found myself on a rooftop in Germany singing R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly for all around me to hear. I actually believed that I could fly and almost jumped off that roof, but thankfully, someone grabbed me and saved me. But nonetheless, what they couldn't contain was the song that was overflowing within me. And I believe that when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it shifts something in our worship. That a song forms in our heart that cannot be contained as we simply want to express just who God is and what God has done in our lives. Remember that verse in Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And John 4.24 says, God is Spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit shifts something in our worship. The Holy Spirit compels us to want to sing of the glory and the goodness of God. And as we close our time together this morning in this service, wherever you're at, whether you're in your living room, in your bedroom, you're fully dressed or in your pajamas, wherever you are spending your Sunday morning this morning, I'm going to encourage us to worship Him like never before. But before we do, and as the band get ready to lead us, I want us to take a moment to wait on the Holy Spirit. You see, these believers were instructed to go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they waited there for 10 days. The Holy Spirit didn't come on day one. The Holy Spirit didn't come on day two. But when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. And I don't know where you're at on your Christian journey this morning. I don't know whether you're a follower of Jesus and if something about what you've seen and heard even today is causing you to ask questions. I know there are great people at the ramp who would like to meet with you, connect with you and talk to you about the Jesus that you too can know today. But I don't know whether you've experienced the person of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have. But in your mind, it now seems like a distant memory. And you need this morning a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So that you can live your life under His influence in a way that dramatically changes the way you walk, the way you talk, and the way you worship your Lord. If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite us right now to just wait for a few moments. And then I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal himself to you today, just like he did on the day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. Wherever you are, close your eyes, bow your heads, maybe just lift up your arms as a sign of surrender, and let's posture ourselves to receive something of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you today that you have not left us as orphans. You've not left us to navigate this life alone, but you have gifted us 
the person of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is a gift to our lives. We thank you that the Holy Spirit was not just reserved for a small group of people nearly 2,000 years ago, but your word promises that you were going to pour your Spirit out amongst all people. And Lord, we're believing that we're in that category today. We're believing that we too can receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, wherever we stand before you this morning, whether we have received the Holy Spirit before and need a fresh infilling, or whether we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit for the first time today, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would move and you would minister. The Lord, as people wait on you, I pray that they would sense your tangible presence wherever they are this morning, and that your presence would bring change and it would bring transformation. Father God, we want to live under your influence. We want to submit to your Lordship. We want the Holy Spirit to come and rule and reign in our lives. We want the Holy Spirit to direct how we walk. We want the Holy Spirit to direct how we talk. We want the Holy Spirit to cause us to live lives that bring glory and honour to you through our spiritual acts of worship. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our lives, in whatever place we find ourselves this morning. And Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit to live the missional life that you have called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.